All right. Well, hello everybody. Welcome to our uh, welcome to our second episode here of Six on Six. As you can see from directly below me, we actually have a very special guest that's going to be joining us. None other than uh, Fabian himself. Say hello, Fabian. Hello. <laughs> that that's it. That's all you have to say. Hello. Hello. Tell tell us about yourself, Fabian. I'm Fabian. No, okay. Fabian, Fabian. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. Uh, I play video games right now. I play for Vitality, I guess. No, I do actually play for Vitality. Just sign that stuff. So, yeah. As a guest, we're going to center around him. And I, you know, Fabian, I'm going to be honest with you. I expect you to love talking about yourself. So I feel like you should have no problem doing this whatsoever. So let's let's talk first things first about let, let's let's start with your history. Let's start with Penta and G2 and the long run of dominance that you had. Because from mid-2017 until 2019, give or take, you guys were by far and away the best team in Rainbow Six. Let's start off. Was it, what was it? What was your secret weapon? Were you, was it that it was a favorable meta? What happened? I actually don't know really what happened. I mean, I, th I think it comes from two things. That the meta was constantly changing much faster than it does today. And for us, that was good because we had players that worked really good on the fly. And a lot of the players that have kind of been like taken away from the top tier of teams and been replaced by younger gunners, they are the players that couldn't really understand the game if it wasn't set on paper for them to understand. So I think that the, for us, the game was very easy back then because we could just do stuff on the fly and change plans mid-plan, which other teams couldn't. And I also think that the, the, a lot of gunfights meta fit us pretty well at back that time you didn't peak something unnecessarily like you can do today and get away with it you just played your game and i don't know i think shaz had a big deal of doing on it as well because he was one of the absolute earliest guys to do analytics in the depth that he has done them so i think that he he was doing good for us too but i also think that we were just good friends and we really understood each other when we were playing the game yeah, I, I'd say, like, my perspective of it was, like, you guys were ahead because, like you said, the, the changing things on the fly. Like, you guys were, you were, in my opinion, like, and I, I guess I have a better understanding of this than a lot of other people because I played against you guys a lot. And also, because I'm an IGL, I kind of see the game from the same perspective. But you guys were, like, by far more unpredictable than other teams. Like, every other team I could read a lot, but I couldn't read you guys as much. And... So I, that definitely stuck out to me. And I think, like you said, in that meta, it allowed for a lot more room for you to be that unpredictable, where, like you said, you could just do things on the fly. And I think another big thing that stood out, and I think a lot of people have always commented on, was you guys were really good at trading. And that was just, I think, like you said, kind of your chemistry as a team, probably. We always followed up on each other. I mean, it was very simple. It, it turned very much into, like me and Pengu having one sort of flank on the side of the fra fraggers, and then we let the fraggers go wild, and they were killing things. And then when players tried to help them out, we fragged those out. And, it, I don't know, we, we rotated half a lot around each other, and that's what worked for us. And I think that also at that time, you had more space as an individual player to move around and do things than you do today. Because today, everyone is so calculated and they know exactly what to do to do it the best way. And now everyone has kind of figured out how to play Rainbow Six Siege to a good level, which has taken us from being, for sure, a good team at that time. But if you compare any team today to what we were at 2017, 2000, middle 2018, I still think that teams today are much better than we were back then. I just think that everyone has developed so far. 
Yeah, I think I think that's a really good point. It's like the freedom thing, because when I was on EG, I know like the the kind of style that we had at first, it was like the four players, and then I was the only one that really had freedom. The the other guys kind of followed the strat, and then I could change things, and it worked because like I knew what the strat was, so I knew how I could change to like fit into it. Um, and then when it, it ended up starting to become more inconsistent, and more inconsistent, and that's when I ended up leaving AG because we couldn't figure out the style. And that's when teams like Empire and teams like SSG started to come up a bit more because they played like they didn't have necessarily players with as much freedom. It felt like it was like the same players in the same spots all the time. And that's what it felt like. And I think that started to become better and better. And then it's kind of gotten to where it is now today. I feel like we're going up and down. Sorry, Parker, for interrupting. I think we're going up and down in the meta. If you look at it from year one perspective, and when Junk just took over, and they were so dominant for a while, it was a short period of time. But I remember it like yesterday, and they were dominating, and they were slapping everyone off the planet off the yeah. earth. And at that point, before them, they came along. People were just playing randomly. We were running around playing rank, basically in Pro League. And when they came and they showed, like, you do strats on paper, you follow the strats, you'll win. They won, and after that, they kind of disappeared, obviously, because they split up. But after that, we had a period of time where structure was key. Everything was put out on paper. This is what you do. This is step one, step two, step three. And after that, when well, our quote-unquote era started, um, we kind of removed that again. And then when we started going down and Empire started rising and other teams started rising, like SSG getting better, it again came back to this fully structured meta, and now we're somewhere in between where you have the structure, but you also have the freedom and the aggression is on a completely different level. Like, I don't know, it's, it's like we're going up and down on a line and uh, it's not, right now we're somewhere in between structure and not structure. The, the, yeah, I'd agree with that. The point I was going to come at was was back then as you guys both like these this clash of IGLs that we had, right? You know, we had... Uh, People are going to be saying right off the off the hop of having both of you here, you know, two, the two best IGLs this game has ever seen. The best and the second best. Thank you, Parker. I'm not going to, you know, I, I, I think it's nice that you think Troy's the best, but that's fine. No, um, that's not what I meant. Um, mm. when, when you two were going up against each other, and we'll touch on this later on when we get into the Invitational and things along those lines. It, this question is more for Troy, I suppose. Did you ever approach playing against Penta slash G2 differently than you did other teams? Was this a concerted effort where you had to come up with new things or you'd keep things that you would work on for a long period of time hidden because you knew that they did have that unpredictability factor, you know, that they could and were perfectly capable of, you know, uh, trading out and all that jazz. Is this something where, where you Troy had to deal with and, and change up on the fly or was it just something that you, you dealt with in game? I mean, I think my teams have always like prepared for each match matchup, like kind of the same way where like, we just we we will change things for each matchup depending on how like we we think we need to play, but I will say because of like I said they were so unpredictable, I think it was less effective. Like our preparation was signif significantly less effective against GT or Penta because they were as unpredictable as they were. Um, whereas other teams like they would kind of play into it. Like I would have a read on them and we would change things up and they would kind of play into us. Whereas playing against G2 or Penta, it was, you didn't really know. You just kind of went in and you both were kind of just playing your game. Like, 
it, just because like they, they were playing differently and you have to react and try to figure it out there. Like you couldn't figure out how they were playing before the match because you didn't know. Well, I mean, when you've got in that 2018 match, you know, infamously Fabian says we came up with that Monty strat backstage yeah. before walking out. How, how are you supposed to, how are you supposed to prepare to that? Prepare for that? Well, well yeah, exactly. Like uh, we, we were actually really confident going into that map because one, we knew they hadn't played it much. And two, going into our scrims, like leading up to the event, it was one of our better maps. Yeah. But the thing is, is when we pra- when we practiced that map and played that map all those times, we never played against like a Monty Whitehall push. Like it, it never happened. We didn't even think of it. So like it was literally our first time dealing with it and we did not figure it out in time. And it was as simple as that. So I do know how many times we practiced cafe before we went up into that game. Have you I been know, told that? zero. Uh, I've been told zero. That's incorrect. Uh, we practiced it once. Oh. We had practiced cafe once. We knew we had two. We had two permabats back then. We had chalet yeah. and we had cafe, and uh, we were uncomfortable on. Uh, I think it was skyscraper, wasn't it? Yep. Uh, so we were like, we knew that you guys played skyscraper. Nobody in Europe ever let skyscraper go through to against us because for some reason people thought we played it we kind of did we kind of didn't nobody practiced it in europe but uh it's like you know we are a lot of maps that we weren't too comfortable on and Mm -hmm. uh, we were like okay we're gonna have to let one of these maps through we don't have a choice it's just gonna go through and we're like okay we're gonna pick we're gonna let cafe through Uh, we'll see when they pick it it doesn't really matter but we expect ourselves to lose to cafe everything else we can win And then we're two zero down. We go on cafe, and we're like, "Jesus, guys, what the fuck are we doing?" <laughs> yeah. We were like, so like, we had nothing to lose at that point. I mean, we had no idea what we were doing. Somehow it worked. Don't ask me why. I don't know really. I mean, it's probably both mental on your guys' side, and then the ease of my players not having to worry about it. We yeah. had already lost the game. Like, what else can we do? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's 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 more comfortable playing that way for sure. But like. The fact that it was something so new that you guys brought, that was like the problem. It was just we didn't we didn't figure out how to adjust to it in time. Like obviously, like right after the match, we we're like, oh, of course, like we could have played it like this and it would have been fine. And we had it figured out. But like that's that's too fucking late. Um, I mean, it's easy to figure out in, in Yeah, exactly. That's, the time that's how over. it always is. That, yeah. What could you have done different? You always know as soon as the game is over. Exactly. Um but actually, funny enough, so we actually had two perm bands at the time, too, and it was Shelly and Skyscraper. When we Man. played Skyscraper previously against FaZe, it was literally a bluff because we knew they didn't play it. And we said, fuck it, let it go through and see if they ban it. I remember that. And they let it through, and then we both played it, and we both didn't know how to play the map. <laughs> and that's why we banned it, because we were yeah. like, shit, they have fucked. They, they, yes. they, they play Skyscraper, and we're like, oh, yes. that's going to be rough. Yeah. So Cafe was our best of those three, actually, but didn't matter. I, I specifically remember that too. Um, and I remember when it was like FaZe played two maps or didn't play two maps, right? They didn't play, uh, I think it was Coastline and I think it was Skyscraper were the two that they didn't play. And the way that the map bands were set up, you had to go up against them. And that was when I think it was just you always won on attack on Skyscraper and then the first team to win no, on it was defense. Deep. Was it every it was team deep. won on defense and then waiting for somebody yeah. to win on attack? Okay. Well, it was like, it was like split. Like the top site, you would always win on a, on defense. Mm-hmm. T T karaoke, and then the other sites were better for attack. Right. But you knew, you knew if you won one attack on T karaoke, you won the yes, game. Basically, that's the way you played it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, not that I don't want to dwell on the six invitational because obviously it's it's important and I think we'll get to it, you know, at, at some point. So uh we'll we'll discuss that in just a sec. But I do want to go back to the run up to what happened at, at SI 2018, then through SI 2019. And we talked about what made you so good, but what about the few times that you stumbled? So, you know, your first major loss as a team was in Sao Paulo, which was actually my first event. Um, you got, you know, you got taken out by Black Dragons in, in the semis. And then, you know, you didn't really have a stumble again until Atlantic City. And then you, it was largely smooth sailing, you know, till 2019. What led to those small hiccups for you? Was it was it team chemistry because you made a couple roster moves or you made roster moves after those losses? Was it hubris? Was it a humbling that you needed? Was it just other teams playing well? What do you think was the main culprit for you? All of those events, I think we have lost for probably different reasons than a lot of other people think. Uh, Sao Paulo, we definitely lost because of internal struggles. People were trying to pull. Um, there were disagreements in the team. It was kind of grouping up, you know. Um, it was especially Chaos and Blas, who was our well, uh, analyst at that time, they were kind of in one of their ideas and how to play the game and how to think about the game. Uh, other people felt like Chaos had big issues with um, choking up in situations where you, you're not allowed to do. Like, he became very quiet, didn't communicate well enough, and then he didn't play well enough. Um, these are obviously things that we felt back then, and I don't know if they're true today, and I can't speak on that, but it doesn't matter too much. But this is what was felt internally into the group, right? And... Uh, after the event, like we were having issues in in the boot camp, we were constantly arguing, fighting in between each other. It's like nothing really sat good within the team, and I don't think it was like some humbling thing where we had got hubris or anything like that. No, you, you know when you're in a bad situation with your team, it's not difficult to see from the inside. I, it's super super simple. We had problems, we tried to solve them the way we thought we solved should mm -hmm. solve them, and that's why we replaced chaos. Uh, in the end, and looking back at it, I don't know if they were as big as we thought that they were. I mean, we sold them, even if it might not have been the right way, by replacing him. And, I mean, it worked out for us after, right? We won immediately the Invitational after that. And it's kind of like, yeah, it's hard to look back and say that I wouldn't do it again, seeing as winning the Invitationals, yeah, that was definitely worth replacing a player for. And the other one at Atlantic City, uh, I blame that on Ubisoft. Uh, Lion existed, and uh, I would never <laughs> forgive them for it. Yeah, I, w I actually commented on it. I mean, credit to Liquid. They were, like, very good at abusing that. But I will yep. say, like, when when we went into that event, I think just before the event, Lion got, like, a nerf. It wasn't really a nerf, but it was, it was quote-unquote, a nerf. And, like, a lot of teams kind of just used it as an excuse not to play Lion. They're like, oh, he got nerfed. We're not going to run him. And then Liquid still ran him, and, like, they were just smoking everyone because they were running line and ying and all these other teams were like just sitting there and taking it. And then they're going yeah. on attack trying to play without it. I mean, when, when you did run lion, like it would work. And yeah, I, that was, that was the worst season. That season it's sucked. Absolutely. The worst season that I've ever played. Um, at least when it comes to the mechanics of the game, I, I think the game was better back then, but that's some, something we need to get into. Um, but I think we lost that event solely based on Lion. If we can get to the grand final with the substitute and five days of practice, I don't think that there's a team that was better than us at that point. I still don't believe that uh, Liquid were better than us. I do believe that Lion screwed us over completely. 
I, uh, I I will say from a casting perspective, the yellow meta, as it was referred to as at the time, um, in part because it was dominated by by Ying, it was dominated by the yellow operators like Lion, like Finca, etc. Like the, we saw some Blackbeard play at the time as well. There was the yellow scope as well of Glass working with Ying. So um, you've got red, orange, and yellow operator icons. It all kind of works together. Um, and then you know you had the the infamous the infamous like glass yellow people through the smoke outlines that they had banana people or whatever King George calls them. Um, the yellow meadow was probably the, the most challenging time for me to ever cast the game. It was chaotic. Uh, I mean, we were already kind of uh, limited with the spectating tools that we have period. And then you add into the fact that there's literally shit going on all over the map all the time. You know, you'd have, you'd have, uh, what was it? Nesk was running Ying. And they would just somebody, I think it was like sexy cake. Somebody would just lie in for him and he'd just throw a bunch of candelas in and come in and just kill one or two people immediately. And it's like, I get it. Like, I guess it can be kind of high octane, exciting gameplay, but at the end of the day, it just, it was, it was really challenging, uh, just to try and I think convey to viewers. It was, it was troubling. They had Lion, Dokabi and Yang every round. The three of those were every round. Bullet played Dokabi every round. I think think they mixed the line around sometimes they'd even bring blitz and then nesk was like always on yang it was it was a lot and that's when dokabi yeah. like the smg the smg 12 was busted at the time it was the best gun in the game yeah by far and and her phone call lasted the whole round like, yeah, unless you hang out hung it yes. up like mom it's not the time now don't call yes me. uh <laughs> It, it just says something about the meta when you put such a good player as Nesk on Yingra, doesn't it? I mean, yes. mm. that kind of proves something when you have one of the most talented individual players in the game to ever play it, and you put him on Ying. Like, yeah. hello? Yeah. Unfortunate. Yeah. But that's the, the game. The, the, that's the way the game was at that point. Yeah. Yep. And they, I mean, they abused it well, I will say. They did. They I did. mean, I'm not taking the victory away from them. But yeah, it was a it was They, a they deserved the, the win. But uh, I still don't think that they were the better team. And that's just my opinion, obviously. I mean, you also had Kanto on, a, what, a week? Yeah, five a, a days. A week of, of, yeah. And it was, you know, I, I distinctly remember, you know, coming in. And, and obviously, at, at this point, you know, I, I, was, I was actively cheering against you because you'd won every single event. So for me, you'd never see it in my casting. But you would definitely see it as a spectator that, you know, I, I like to see variety. And I was hoping that Liquid would win because... No, no Brazilian team had ever won a national You're championship, caster. right? You never heard it in my casting. Shut up. But I, caster. I was very much, fan. I was very much hoping that they would, they would win. And I remember very distinctly, I was in meetings for the beginning because uh, it was Emzo and Milos that were casting it. Um, and I, I walked up to the theater and easily was literally leaving the theater. And he just goes, Canto dropped like 15 kills and they won like, whatever it was at the time, like five, two or something. He's like, it's over, man. It's over. And then liquid staged that comeback. And you know what? It was, I, I want to go back and say that Atlantic city was probably pound for pound. Despite the meta was probably the most exciting and closest event that we've probably ever had, because I think there's always been hiccups at other events, but it's, it's hard to look at it back objectively and be like, yeah, I loved watching it when it's like, that was the meta at the time. Right. Yeah. Like the matches were exciting, but like the meta sucked. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, it was not know if I think that was the best event, but then again, I, I, I maybe I've never really thought about it, and 
actually like put myself in this position of a viewer. I mean, the best events are the ones I win. That's the way I see it. <laughs> no matter about that. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think that was one of the best events. But objectively, I would say the matches were exciting. But I guess I keep in mind how the meta was at the time, and I just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think much of the event because of it. So after after Atlantic City happens, you have the Paris Major, and you two square off yet again. This is when you get picked up from by you know by G two. Um, it was if I remember correctly, it was very last minute. They you couldn't even get the names on your jerseys. Um, you got picked up by G two like a week before the before you got yeah. there or something like that, right? Um, and that was I think that was around the time where it, it really cemented your dominance was when you you storm through the Paris major, then you storm through Rio, then you go to the six invitational, you faltered a little bit in, in SI 2019, but then you still ultimately end up winning it over empire during that stretch from, you know, from kind of the end of Atlantic city, where you have to pick up the pieces, having Canto come onto this team towards SI 2019. Is that where you see the peak of your squad? Is that where you would say that you as a team were at your absolute best? No. We were at our absolute best, I would say, year two, season two. two so that was, that was Gamescom. Invitationals. Or, yeah. yeah, around Gamescom. Invitationals. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 2019 Invitational win was a dead rattle of the team. Not going to lie. We were not going to win that event. Uh, when we came up to it, there was no chance in our heads uh, that we even get, get to the final was, in my mind, absurd. Uh, we should never be in the final. We, we played really well at the event, sure. But the practices leading up to it, the months leading up to it, we weren't playing good as a squad. That we got that far was surprising to me. That we won it was even more surprising. I don't know really why, but we just couldn't perform in practices. And then when we come on stage, everything just seemed to fall into place. And everything was just working for us. Same with Paris. So, well, Paris, we actually played much better leading up to it. And we played a lot better um, kind of during the event as well. Uh, I think that when we came up against you guys, Troy, that uh, we had won the game before we even came on the stage. Like, you could see on, their, on your players' faces that they were really scared of the game. And I think that that game was done before we even started it. In map phase, I felt like map imbalance, that's where I think we won it. Um, so, I don't know, we had a mental advantage on everyone at that point. For some reason, everyone was fearing us, and the fear got us further than our gameplay, I think. Funny enough, so, the like you said... Um with like the the kind of death rattle of your team and whatnot and like how for a while basically like you guys had been in practice like not doing well but events you would show up and matches you would show up we had the same thing on eg for a while um paris was one of those events where like practicing coming into the event we were getting smoked by everyone like we didn't we didn't think we were going to do well at all we we played a boot camp and we were getting beat down left and right like there was one day we literally got I think it, it, the the round count was oh it's to six at the time. We lost like six oh six oh six one in a scrim one day, and we we're like, what the fuck just happened to us? Like we got absolutely beat down, and then somehow we made it to the finals. And we had no idea how, and then and then we got beat down in the finals, and then it was like, okay, well, <laughs> like it was bound to happen. But I think I think our team somehow like got by in the tournament environment just because of like experience, and and probably just yeah experience and like other teams nerves probably and just got by off of that like even if we weren't looking good coming into the event um and like we even had we had multiple events like that on eg afterwards like milan milan we were getting smoked the whole way through and then we had a good event um same with uh well rally we actually got destroyed and we were getting destroyed before it 
Um, Invite 2019 practice was, eh, it wasn't the best. And then the one where we lost to Fnatic, actually, uh, with Dizzle subbing in, that was like the best we had looked coming into an event in a long time. And that was fun. And then, and then we lost that, and we was like, what the fuck do we do? So, yeah. Watching that match from the side, that was something interesting. It was like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, that was How are tough. they losing to this? They're just running random stuff. And then we come up against against them the next day, and they get one round out of us. And it's like... I don't even... No, I they didn't even get a round see. against you, I thought. I thought it was... I thought it was a... I thought it was flawless. Was it a six zero six zero? I think it was a six zero. I, th I think it was. I think it was. I, I think it was I, one I could be wrong. Um, <laughs> they still got one kill in the entire game, though. Yes, yeah, uh, so I remember that. The last round in a one versus five situation. It, and Pengu's rushing up to him with Blitz and he doesn't flash him. And then Dissel kills me. And that was his entire objective with the entire game to kill <laughs> the god himself. <laughs> because now the two gods were up against each other. That was. <laughs> His match idea. <laughs> I remember this, this God. This God got humbled on that one. Um, Rio was Rio was a really interesting one. Um, see, it's funny that you say your peak was in was in year two, season two, because for me, at least, I I started following pro league really heavily around that time because that's when I started to get into casting. So for me, I, I thought you guys were were obviously very good, but around the time of the Paris Major. I personally felt you were untouchable. Like, and watching that Paris major game, and, and I mean, no offense to Troy here, but it's like, I felt like anybody was powerless against you. Like just, there were so many times that I could recall where you were in like a, a two V four or a one V three, and you'd somehow manage to win every time. And I agree, you know, like, I think a lot of that match was probably played off of the stage in the heads of, of all of your opponents. But for me, it was like, the the Rainbow Six you were playing around that time, leading up to SI 2019 was was what I would say was your peak. But obviously, I don't I don't get to, I don't get to weigh in on that because I wasn't on the team. I mean, we played really good Siege at that time too. Uh, I mean, look at Rio; we were completely dominating that event. There was nobody that was close to us. Paris Major, yeah, sure, we nobody was close to us either, and we had some really good games. I mean, it's not like we were a worse team. However, I think we were the most dominant at year two of season two. That doesn't mean that I think we played poor Siege the entire time, but after uh, while Rio, we started having a lot of internal issues, a lot of struggling opinions on how to play the game again. Um, well, as you guys know, we kicked Jonas uh, just after Invitationals. Uh, well, three months after, but uh, kind of... It was like having him especially having a very differentiating view on how to play the game. He wanted to peak, 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 which kind of is the more meta today than it is at that time. But at that point, it was just like, we, we can't play this way. We're always losing you. You're dying too early and we're not getting anything out of you. Which before, he has always been that kind of guy that was just like running around for free and just fragging everything. Nobody could stop you on us back in year two. And that's yeah. the... I, I'm, I'm not uh, kidding when I said that I think that Jonas was the best player in the world year one and year two. He was by far the best player. Nobody could stop him, and he could waste so much time on his own that, I don't know, it, nothing could touch him. And then it all went down when people getting more structured and uh, setting up to counter what he was doing, because no, before, people weren't really countering it. They were just like, oh, there's a guy here, let's go kill him. Yeah. And after that, when you start getting these analysts that start working underneath the team and tell you, if you go and do this step and then this step and then you do this, you're going to catch Jonas without him going to do anything to you. And when you catch Jonas like that, 
mood goes down, player starts playing worse, confidence starts going down, and eventually it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And then the numbers didn't come up in either statistics or in the results that we expected ourselves to play. So that's why we decided to remove him. And 2019 Invitationals, I didn't think we would win it because we had so much internal struggles, especially with him. Somehow we managed to do it. Um, how? Don't ask me because I don't know. Um, so, with all that said, so you started, let's talk about the last bit of time with, with you on G2 then, because you said the death rattle was around 2019, you end up winning that, and I do want to get onto the Six Invitational, and we will dive into this, but you go over the next couple years, and the team isn't just doing as well as you could, you make a couple roster moves, and then eventually you step off the team, I, I we can, for just a moment here, I, I want to give you some time to talk about like Uno's contributions to the team, how the team changed around that time and, and how the game changed around you as well. And then kind of end this segment off and the very first topic off with what was it ultimately, what was the tipping point for you that eventually put you in a position where you said, I need off this squad. And the most important question that I could think to ask was, was there a scenario in which you would have stayed? Was there a way for you to, to remain on this roster in any capacity, IGL otherwise, on G2 without having to move? Well, we can start with the first uh, well, question you asked about Uno. And I think that Uno is one of the bright points about the last year that we started playing uh, with G2. Uh, picking up Uno was definitely the right choice. At that point, we had grown too far apart with Jonas, and there was no coming back from removing him. That was just a decision that had to be made. There was no other choice to us. Uh, picking up Uno, he is a very, very talented player. He has a lot of ideas, and he's a very hungry player in the sense of he wants to win it all. He's a very emotional guy too. Um, can be a little bit detrimental to him, I think, but uh, he's a really, really good player. Uh, we would definitely not have played as well as we did in the in Raleigh if we didn't have him with us. He's a big reason to why we actually managed to get to the grand final of Raleigh. Um, it's it's funny because. You look at it and I said, oh, the death rattle of 2019 and then that we didn't play as good before or after or whatever. Raleigh, up until the grand final, like just that event itself might have been, sure, we didn't win the event, but those matches up in before that might actually be the absolute best we were. We were maybe not as dominant as we were before, but that might have been the absolute best Rainbow Six Siege we have played as a team. And then in the grand final, people lost so much self-confidence. They didn't have the... I don't know, we didn't have the balls in the team to, to, to keep up against our opponents and can't do much about it. When you lose yeah. a game before you step on stage and you know, you know you lost it because you can see the mentality in the group, then there's nothing you can do to change that fact. You are lost the game, you just have to live with it, move on from it, there's always the next event. That's basically Raleigh for us. Uh, there wasn't much more to it. Um, we kept chugging on and uh, eventually we replaced Goga as well. That was uh, because of trust issues outside of the game uh, rather than trust issues in-game. And so we decided to part ways with him. Um, picking him up crying, I mean, everyone understands he wasn't our first choice, but he's a very talented player and I don't think that he got to play the game that he wanted to play when he came to us. I think that the season that he had with us doesn't represent him at all as a player. And I think he got so much shit that he doesn't deserve because the team couldn't play well. He played as good as he could. He wasn't the right choice for us, that's for sure. I mean, everyone can see that. However, he got so much shit for stuff that he didn't... He wasn't the reason for. 
are you willing um, are you willing to disclose who you were looking at because one of the things that's fascinating me the most is with all the roster moves that you've done and with all the talent that's available in europe i'm sure there are probably an awful lot of people and feel free to say no but i'm sure there's probably an awful lot of people that you or the rest of the team would have loved to have teamed with that you just weren't able to get for various reasons uh, the way I can put this is that multiple organizations said no to telling their players that we were interested. Fair. That's as far as I go on that yeah. question. No, no, I, I feel that. Yeah. yeah, That's how it works now. Yeah. Th things have changed. I saw you comment on that before where it was like, before you could just you just ask the player and be like, hey, you want to join G2? And they'd be like, yeah. And that was it. How do you think it worked with Shelton? Yeah. Like, I fucking, I tried to get that guy for like nine months. Like, hey, you want to come play with us when we when there is eventually a change? And it's like, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, sure. Let's sure go. And then I, I write him a message. Yo, you want to come play? Okay. And that was it. Yeah. Then the <laughs> negotiation started. It's like, times were simpler. <laughs> yeah, that's not how it works now. Now it's no. you tell the org, the org, the org talks to the other org, they might tell the player. Like, And they even like, have to go through Ubisoft as well. It's yes. like, <laughs> you cannot talk to the player. Oh, no, no. No, no, yeah. no, no. Don't talk to the player. You'll get yep. screwed big time. <laughs> yep. So, so that, that last question for you. As the team morale sunk and you made changes and they didn't live up to it, was, were the differences between you and G2 completely irreconcilable, or was there a way for you to have stayed on that roster? The way I look at myself as a player is not that I'm the best individual player that's going to perform and give you all the kills that you need. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm the one who prov provides the structure and uh, the basic ideas and the structure of droning, supporting, holding flanks. That's my job. I'm not the guy who's going to go anti-fragging, because... I'm fuck. I'm I'm a modest shit man, with the worst gun in the game as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, it's it's not my job as a player. It's not why people would get me if they get me. It's not why Vitality bought me. It's it's not at all why. Um, I look at myself as well. Yeah, helping everyone else get better. And when it when it comes to a point where I feel like the team is not trusting me anymore to do that job correctly. They are taking too much responsibility off my hands in the terms of in-game leading. They want to spread out the re responsibilities on everyone else. Um, too too much to my thinking. I feel like that there needs to be a main in-game leader. But when people feel like we should fish more for opportunities and then go for those, I don't think it's something that I want to stay with anymore. And then I think that we had too many different agreements on or disagreements on how to rule the team in the sense of, am I allowed to say that we're playing like shit? Am I allowed to tell you guys that we are playing like fucking ass now? Let's pull our shit together. I think that that is very much needed in a team. I come from sports. In, in sports, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, you'll get to hear it. Trust me, your team captain will tell you straight to your face that you are not doing what we fucking need you to do. Pull your shit together. And if you don't, you're off. You're sitting on the bench for the rest of the game. And for me, I bring that sort of mentality to the game where I say that if we're playing like shit, I'm going to tell you guys, play like shit. However, I will never go to a player directly and tell you to your face, you are playing like fucking shit, why are you so bad? I will never go tell the player that. I will tell them, however, we need to grow balls, we need to entry better, we need to go more aggressive, we need to play faster. And when it comes to a point where they don't listen to that and they think it's more of a negative environment than, than I do, sure, I can be very heated, I can scream, but that comes after multiple mistakes continuously happening and just continuously spiraling down, where mentality doesn't recover from anything, no matter what we do. 
Uh, at that point, when that there is no coming back on it, and I feel like no matter what I say as the quote-unquote captain, we didn't really care about that role. Uh, when I say something to change the mentality of the group, and all I get back is negative feedback, I don't think that there's anything I can do to stay on that team. Because at that point, they don't trust me enough for me to be their team leader. No, I mean, I can completely understand that. Like, I would feel the same way in your shoes. Like, you just, you feel like you can't do your job um, because you're you're not getting through to them in that sense. So I can completely understand that. Um, and it also... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, it also sounds like you guys had, like, mixed ideologies on the game as the game was progressing. And, I mean, that's obviously a problem. Like, you need to have, like, a unified kind of vision for the game. Um and, like, if, if people can't come to an agreement on it, obviously, like, it, no one's going to be completely right. Like, you have to you have to compromise. Everyone chips in their ideas, and then you decide on what your vision is for the game, and then you, you as a team move forward. And, like, if you guys can't all agree on something, that becomes a problem. So, I mean, it, it sounds like that those were some of the issues. And, like, yeah, you can't, you can't move forward with that, especially if, like you said, you can't get through the team anymore. Like, how are, how are you going to progress? It's the fault of everyone and no one at the same time. Yeah, It's just something that comes up over time. Exactly. And it was just this time now. And we split because of that. I have no hard feelings against them. I mean, we achieved so much together. How could I ever have hard feelings against that? I might not agree with them. I might not think the same way with them. Or I might think that we have developed too much ego as a group, as individuals, or have built up too much resentment against each other's individual personalities anything of these things can come through sure it will over time but that doesn't take away that they're some of the best friends i've ever made and some of the most happy memories in my life i have together with them so it's not like i have any bad blood against them or anything like that they're my brothers in in my mind do you uh, do you uh do you feel at all that the way that you the way that you kind of hold players accountable and i i know troy will probably pick up on on this reference and you might as well fabian there's a belief, at least in a lot of sports, it's very prevalent in hockey that the leader loses the room, that the coach loses the room. If you have like an embra- an abrasive coaching style or somebody who is is very commandeering, so to speak, of the way that a team plays, which I would say is you're a strong leader and it certainly seems that way. Do you think that there's any possibility that this same thing could now happen with Vitality now that you're on a new team? Are you worried at all about possibly bringing over a, a similar personality that you you had with pen, you know Penta and G2 that might now kind of after a year or so end up resulting with people wanting to do their own thing on vitality or do you see that there's going to be a difference here with the players on that team there's going to be a def- definitely a big difference first of all if a player that i initiate the kick process on comes to, and uh, to me and talks to me and says like hey our organization have given you got like you the, the green go to ta- start practicing with us. Do you want to trial with us? And then I get messages from their coaches and all this. And I say that yeah, sure, I'm very interested. And I I asked Danny obviously, which was my boss at G2, and he he obviously had told me before they even came to me that hey, Vitality has asked for for your interest in trialing with them. And I said yeah, sure, go ahead. And uh, when the player comes to me, well, five months, six months after I kicked them. I think that that shows something about the sort of leader I have, like leadership I have. That if a player that I decide that I want out of my team comes and asks me later, "Do you want to play with us?" I think that shows something in the in the sort of player I am. And uh, I think that 
when you lose the control of the team, there's a long process of going back, and I think it's the easiest one is just to change out the leadership. And for but, for clarification purposes, when you say Danny, you mean Goga for people that don't know. Uh, that Danny is the boss of like the manager manager of G two. Oh, okay. Danny, think... And go no, that Danny is uh, yeah, Danny is that the leader of like the, the manager of the managers of G two. So he's the one who controls like trades and stuff like that there. So that's the guy they talk to. And then Danny told me and asked me about my interest in Vitality. I said yes, go ahead, talk to them. And then Goga wrote to me at the same time as Lori, which is the coach of G2. Yeah. Not, sorry, it's not of G2. Vitality wrote to me as well. So it's like when the player comes and asks me six months later, do you want to come play with me? I think that he understands the value that some personalities like I can bring. And I don't think they bring me because of my individual performances, because that's not something to put up in the flag and say, look at how good I am. Uh, they bring me for the leadership and the structure that I bring. And I think that with the trust of the players that I have currently, uh, with over in trials, we actually played no strats at all. We just played on me completely calling everything on the fly and in-game leading on the fly. Um, the trust that the players, for example, Bebo has been a very outstanding leader in Vitality over time. Like you look at Bebo, he's been always been the leader of Vitality. Then recently, just before I came on, Goga was actually turned into the captain in-game leader of the team uh, because of Bebo having a lot of issues with. Um, leading the team, actually, like in the sense of he focused too much on leading the team, which meant he played poorly individually. Uh, so, yeah, they, they just came to me and they wanted a person that actually brings proper leadership in so that the players can focus on being players. Yeah. So now I, that that's basically it. I don't think that there's going to be a chance of me losing them because, first of all, I think that if you look at the team that you've played with for four years, some levels of, like, the professionality that you have in between the players kind of becomes more friendships and you become too common with each other, if you understand me. Like, you become too close and uh, you kind of erase the lines a little bit between what is the friendship outside of the game and the professional levels you need to have in-game. They kind of become blurry and you don't know what, what, what you need to do. So, with a new team, I think it's going to take a lot longer time for something like that to happen. But I also think that the longer the game has been around, the more professional players will become overall. So I think it would be an easier time for, for in-game leaders now than it was back then to keep control of their teams. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I mean, when I joined SS3, like, it was a very easy transition for me. I think it comes down to like the team knowing and what they want, like them knowing that they want a leader and someone to bring in the structure and leadership. Um, and I know everyone on SS3 believed in that. And I also think it helped that, like, you have Goga who really respects you and obviously told them, and they trusted him and respected him. And he told them, like, hey, like, Fabian brings this leader, these leadership qualities of the team. Like, this is something that will benefit us. And I think we we had that on SS3 with, with Lycan especially. Lycan, I think, really vouched for me. Rampy as well. I mean, Bosco was a believer as well in me, but, like, everyone believed in bringing me in, and I know Lycan was a strong advocate of it, that, like, I was, like, the piece he wanted to add to the team. And I think when you have someone that's already respected in the team saying that, it makes it a very smooth transition for everyone else to kind of buy into the system. Oh, definitely. Like, it's, it's funny. The the first trial, when, when I talked to, well, Lore, who is their coach, and Fabian, who is their manager, um... I we we had this discussion about me not interfering in their leadership or their structure within the first three practices. We're going to play nine maps in total, which well, a normal practice is three maps for us, and well, that's the way it is in Europe. And um, over the 
over the, after three rounds, I was the team captain and the in-game leader immediately. There was no question about it. I just saw immediately they have no structure in this team. I need to take over if I want this to work. And after three rounds, it was pretty much decided that, yeah, we have a new in-game leader. It it was it's that short of amount of time that can be needed if you can see that the, this like this massive lack of leadership that Vitality had. Mm-hmm. It's you would be exactly in the same shoes as me. I can tell you that if you if yeah. you would be playing with them. Sometimes think, you can just see it so clearly. It's it's crazy. Well, I actually, like, I, I notice it, I feel like, in a lot of teams in general. Like, this is, this is going to be a, a controversial thing. This this one's going to get clipped and go on Reddit. But, like, I genuinely feel like most pro teams don't actually have a real leader. They don't. No, they don't correct. have a real in, in-game leader. They they call someone an in-game leader, and, like, between rounds he says, okay, we're taking we're taking dining this round. And that's it. Yeah. But, like... Other than that, there it's not actual leadership. It isn't like you can see them like they, like the the players don't have like the same respect for that guy. Like they they don't have the same respect for him. They like they don't buy into the system of like how the team plays and everything like that. Like I I know for a fact like my team like we we believe like specifically in how our team plays and like everyone buys into it. Like there's things that we absolutely preach and everyone like buys into it, respects it, and abides by it. But like there's other teams that. They just, it's literally, they just play the game and like they, they run their strats and that's it. It's not, yeah it's not as detailed as that. And like, I do think that's something that's always set our two teams apart from like a lot of the other teams is because we have that structure. Like everyone's on the same page a lot more just because of it. I, I think it can be very, very easy to see because uh, when you have a structure and a, like a team that trust in each other and the idea of how to play the game together, uh, you will see... There might be so many stupid rounds that goes one way or the other. It doesn't really matter which way. But as long as you see that the players are following up on each other in every single situation, no matter if the idea is the absolute worst idea you've ever seen, if the players trust the call that they were given by their teammate and they follow up on it, for example, they see an opportunity with a drone. They drone the room, they see it's clear, and all of a sudden you have five players on bomb site because, well, that's what they saw. And instead of having that and like just like, oh, we're just running our strat, we maybe take the opportunity, but you see low amount of refrags. You will see people playing a lot on their own, a lot doing their own stuff completely away from the group and stuff like that. It's, I think it's very, for me, when I watch Pro League and I watch it from a spectator view, which I've been doing now for three months, I can clearly see which teams are lacking leadership and which, which, which teams aren't. And it's night and day difference. It's night and day difference. Would you say that Vitality, you mentioned Bibu originally being the leader for so long. Right. And there were a lot of times I, you know, I've been watching Vitality as well for, for years and watching the way that Bibu plays on that team and how integral he was as a player in the game, not even including his in-game leading. And then Goga takes up some of that responsibility. Prior to you joining, would you classify Vitality as one of those teams that absolutely lacked leadership? And if so, do you single-handedly elevate them to that level that will allow them to sit atop EU next season? Single-handedly elevating them to the position? No. I think that every single player has to buy into the system, as me and Troy spoke about earlier. If not every single player believes in the system, you cannot bring them up there on your own. I can be the most authoritative leader and structured leader, but if they don't believe my system is the one that they will take them forward, they will not get become a better team. Most likely worse, because I'm most likely not as skilled individually as either Stiggy or Brida. So it's, it's not about being the best player. It's about building the structure around the group. Um, 
and now I can't remember the other part of the question. That it was, it was, did you, did you view Vitality as one of those teams that absolutely needed a leader when you were, you know, sitting, sitting on the bench for three months? Yeah, I mean, it was clear as night and day that one too. Like, they, they, they had no idea what they were doing. I think Bieber as a leader, he's a good, really good player and a really good leader to the degree where I think that he has lost trust in himself to that. Uh, I think that he has gained a lot of the trust back, especially in his self-confidence, now that we started playing with each other. Um, if you compare the aggression that he's been playing with the last week compared to the two weeks when I came in, it's like looking at a completely new player. Say with Hungry. Hungry has stepped up immensely since I came onto that roster and started playing with them. Goga has developed so much as a player since, uh, first of all, since, we left, uh, since he left G2. But looking at the players that I haven't really played with before, uh, and the players that I didn't know too much about, which would be Hungry and, um, and Bibo. Since I came and started practicing with them, they have improved a lot, at least in the way that I see the game should be played. They weren't very good with this fast-paced, uh, kind of more of like, quote-unquote, G2 style of gameplay, because obviously I'm going to take a lot of the, the things and ideas that I have from there over to Vitality, but compare them to today, and especially like yesterday we had a really good practice and it's like the first time we play with proper strategies. This is the first time we put anything on paper and said this is the way we want to have the idea of the gameplay. And we just crush another Pro League team. It's like we, we shouldn't be able to do that this fast. But it feels really good when it happens and I think it shows that the tr group of players that I have now, they trust me and I trust them. Yeah, I mean like that that's something it just it elevates a team like when you when you have just solid players in all your roles and then they buy into that one system or like ideology of the game, that like it, it elevates everyone. But like you said, like it doesn't work unless everyone trusts it. And you, like we we have no say in whether or not people trust us as leaders. Like that is completely on the players. So like like Fabian said, like he's not going to single handedly elevate the team because everyone does have to put in the effort and everyone does have to buy in and like respect what he's saying and like and and everyone has to contribute in their own in their own matter but like it's it, it's just a, a team thing and like you'll make ev everyone will get better from buying into that system and like just constantly improving and just working towards the same goal on the same path now with all that said uh there to me we could dive in and talk about vitality but i'm also very aware that we only have an hour left i cannot believe it's already been over 50 minutes um and we've, we haven't even made it through the second topic so maybe we were a bit too ambitious when we outlined this, this essay um so. but um troy there was something you wanted to talk about in particular which was yeah uh and i'm gonna let you get on to that because then after that we can begin to talk about and i, I want to skip over uh some of the topics because then after after this this discussion i want to get into personal achievements and talk about Fabian's contributions individually as well, just to, to the eSport in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we, we touched on some of them just from me picking up on some of the things you said, but I know, like, a after Rally, I know you and I had a conversation that we actually had another conversation invitational. Both of us basically talked to each other when we were kind of, like, deciding to leave our teams. And I actually remember when I spoke to you at Rally, I remember you even saying at, at first, basically, like, you didn't, you didn't give me like a solid answer, but it was basically leaning more towards like, I should probably stick it out with EG because like your your explanation was like, you know those guys better than anyone. And it made a lot of sense to me too. But I think I was in the shoot, like I was in the place where like we had so many problems that like we just couldn't seem to solve. And I think um, just reflecting on it, like it, it's it's interesting to reflect on that conversation and just like how things have progressed for you as well to where like it was like, 
time things had just run their course on G2 as well now. And like when you spoke to me after Invitational and it was just it felt like you're in the exact same shoes where it's like you just needed a new start. Like like you knew you had what it takes. You knew those other guys on G2 had what it takes, but it was just it wasn't going to work together anymore. And like you needed to you needed to go to a new environment and see what you could do there. Um, but yeah, it was just an interesting point I kind of want to reflect on and um, also just kind of see how you felt. Yeah, being like new to a team and, and IGLing, moving into a team as an IGL, because that was something I adjusted to with Space Station was I was the new one of the team. Like I was walking in and it was just like, all right, you can be the leader. But I like it's their team. It's not it's not my team. Like I'm not just going to come in and revamp everything like there's still certain things they do. And I don't want to change everything to, like, take over completely. Um, so I guess, uh, ha- like, how do you feel about that? Like, what? Oh shit! Doorbell's loud here. Um, how do you feel? Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, that we're we gonna have... wait for that bell. Is it pizza? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, someone boy. downstairs ordered something. <laughs> we have an uh, intercom here. I can turn it down. But yeah, this is the worst fucking podcast ever. Dude, audio audio issues. My pictures are going all over the place. Now we got the doorbell. I rate five out of seven. (laughs) Next time, no, 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 next time I'll have that turned off. I forgot that I have that. (laughs) We have like intercoms in the house, and like I I have mine to full blast so that if like a delivery or like a maintenance person comes early in the morning, I know it'll wake me up. But I forgot to turn it down. Uh, Don't worry about it. Um. Now I completely forgot what we were talking about. We were talking about um, reflecting on our in. conversations, yeah. and then also, yeah, coming into a new team. I mean, yeah, we were we were kind of in the same shoes. I think it's easier to obviously look at it from the inside and understand it now. Like I have to leave. I think you had already made your mind up when you were talking to me to some degree. Uh-huh. Uh, you were just looking for advice, and sort of sort of the same way that when I came talk to you about it. But it's like you know that there are some issues that are so big that it's probably smarter for both parties to just move on. Yeah. And I was in that position. You were in that position. And it's just the decision that has had to be made for both of us. Yeah. And you can't do much more about it. And coming into Vitality, I have revamped a lot because I believe in a completely different playstyle than the old Vitality did. I mean, you look at old Vitality, you look at Bebo's leadership when they were coming from over from Xbox, and you look at the slow gameplay where they end the round with 15, well, not even 15 seconds left, 15 milliseconds left of the round is when the round ends for them. And it's like, that's not the Rainbow Six Siege I believe in, because yeah. I believe that losing by playing is a better way to lose than losing by time. And uh, I have revamped a lot. Rice has obviously revamped a lot as well. He was a very like big leadership person in in uh, in Rogue. Um, he's obviously the oldest guy in the scene. He's basically a dinosaur, so he has a lot of ideas and ways that he thinks about it. Uh, we agree quite a lot with uh, most things. So does Goga because Goga knows what I bring and the way that I am as a person and the way I think about the game. So he he's kind of just taking like yeah. I know what you need need me to do. I'll do what you need me to do because then it will work out. And uh, I've changed quite a lot. So maybe we're a bit different on that part when it comes to that. I've kind of just stepped in and took my space immediately. But maybe I'm just a massive asshole that has a massive ego. So could be that too. I I can't tell you the differences because completely different experiences. Yeah, I just was interested here. I I know I definitely have a much more gentle approach probably to leading. I know I'm. Um... <laughs> I'm of the belief that, like, you, I guess you, tr- you have to treat, like, certain people differently because certain people react better to different things. 
Like, I know some people that, like, do not react well, like, at all to criticism. I mean, obviously, you have to give it, but you have to give it in the right manner. And then there's yeah. some people that, like, if you're on their ass, like, they love it. Like, there's some players that if you're on their ass, like, they it fires them the fuck up. Like, they yeah. they get so much better because of it. So it, a different level. Yeah, it really depends on the players, I feel like. And, yeah, I was just kind of curious uh, on on your take on that. But, yeah, I know I have a, a much more passive approach because I, I, I guess it, it's just how I am as a person. I'm definitely more polite in some of those manners. You're, you're Canadian. Yeah, I'm Canadian. That's Literally. basically what it is. Literally. That's basically it. No, but I have changed quite a lot as an in-game leader in my own opinion. I think that's something that if you guys would ask Goga, for example, he would agree upon. Um, I've changed quite a lot. Before I was very loud and I could scream at them and like literally scream as loud as I could because I was so angry after like three rounds of mistakes. And that's something that has kind of gone away now. I mean, I would still get pissed and I would still scream if we play completely ass for a map, for example. At some point, you just need to tell your guys to, what the fuck are you guys doing? What are we doing as a group? How are we playing this bad? Let's wake up. We can't waste our time. We're here to practice. Obviously, we haven't played any official matches. But that's something that comes in the best of three as well. If you're if you're trailing 0-7 down and you're one map down and nothing is going and you can see on their face like they're just hanging with their heads and their motivation is zero, what other way to motivate them than by literally trying to wake them up by trying to get out all the aggression and trying to get out all the negativity. If you get that all out of your system and like get everything played over with and then continue playing after that and try to get back into a positive mindset, I think that there's some need of a good leader, bad leader relation you need to have in your team where some other person might be more of a sharing person while someone is the strict one that needs to keep people together yeah. in, in the sense of now we need to play our best and we need to do this work because we're here to work, we're here to win. For example, if you look at the, the relationship we have in Vitality now, um, if I get pissed off and we play something completely bad and I will like ask why we are making these decisions, why we're making like these weird calls or why we're changing the plan all of a sudden for no reason at all, um, after that, Rice will be the guy that's like, okay, guys, let's get back on this and let's get it rolling again. And th that kind of takes away, and then, then they have this, like, this guy that, oh, he's a little bit negative to us, and then you get the positive en encouragement from the other guy. Mm -hmm. So it's and it's something we know about too. It's something we've talked about and something we've discussed about. And I've we've we talked about it internally that yeah, I will be on your ass because I want the best for you. Yes. It's not because I want to scream at you or to try try to take blame on someone. It's because we want to improve as a group. Yes. That's that's something that's important to note. And I know, like it's something that I mean, people know I love the coach quotes. But like one that that always resonated with me is basically commenting on like. If I'm on your ass, like that—that's because I believe in you. Like I—I I know you're capable of more. But like if I like if I don't say anything, to you, if you fuck up and I don't say anything to you, like that means I like I have no hope for you. Like I don't think you're you're gonna change. And I expect I, it of you. Yes, exactly. It's uh yeah, we're only there to make each other better. Yep. Nobody's there because they, they, they just have to be. Yeah, and that's a, it's an important thing. A everyone on the team needs to needs to understand that for sure. Um, but that's interesting to hear, like how how you've changed as an angry leader. Like for me, I've I've changed a lot as well. I was obviously in different in different cases than you, but I know on EG, it was similar in the sense like when I got frustrated with like how things were going. Like if I had a plan for the round, and then like someone just got first blood, and I was like, oh, there goes the plan. And that happened like three times in a row. 
Like that would it would kill my fucking mood. It would. Yeah. And then it would kill everyone's mood because of it. And I've definitely gotten a lot better at that. Where on SSG, I think emotionally, I'm a lot more stable now, uh, especially in matches as well. Obviously, like when things are going like like in the grand finals against Nip, like I'm not going to be sitting there like screaming like "Let's fucking go, boys!" while we're getting like smoked on the first two maps because like <laughs> you just, you just can't fucking do that. But like my mood wasn't down. Like I wasn't depressed or anything like that. Yeah. Like my tone was the same and like just constantly next round, next round, like this is what we're going to change this, how we're going to try to fix it. So-and-so. Um, and I think that, that kind of changes. I think that only came because of a new environment as well. Like, I don't think I could have changed as much as I did as an in-game leader. If I didn't join SSG and kind of get a new refreshing environment, because I no. think like a lot of my problems and how I reacted to the situations had to do with just, the issues that came up with EG, like, um, just like when things went wrong, like I was just like young, young was a, a player that I, I had difficulty giving him criticism because he was a lot like me. I'm, I'm a player that's actually very defensive when receiving criticism, but I guess my way to deal with it is that I always call myself out. Like I call myself out a ton. My teammates, like they, it's actually crazy. Like how often I call myself a dumbass, but like it's, like uh, that's kind of my way of dealing with it. Is like I I'm constantly on my own, on my own shit to make sure that I'm I'm calling out that I'm fucking up and like taking accountability for it because I'm I I think I've gotten better at it, but I am definitely too defensive, and I think that's one of my weaknesses. Um, and Young was the same way, and I had trouble getting through to him sometimes because of it. Um, and I think just like dealing with the the same personalities and like possibly not figuring it out or like responding to their personality in a certain way. It's it's hard to get out of that after so many years. I I definitely think that when you change environment, it just uh, takes away a lot of your old um, what's it called when you do something over and over again tendencies. Like the way that you are leading a group can be really a lot of tendencies on how you lead them. And as soon as you go into a more new environment where you have changed as a person, because over those years that you were with that group, you started to know what's working and what isn't. But you still have those old tendencies that might arise for some reason or another. And I think that for me especially as well, like as soon as I come over to Vitality, I am not as angry as I was when I was playing with G2. I could be very, very angry when we were playing with G2, but that hasn't happened once. Well, today I was angry because the servers were asked, but that's the server's fault, not the team's fault. Throwing a flashbang and it doesn't go through mm. the Hibana breach. Tell me more. Rainbow Six Siege. Love Better this. than ever. 2020. Feels great. Uh, but uh, flashbangs rubber banding midair. Feels good. <laughs> no, but uh, it's a. You change as a person, and when you change the environment, you can kind of get rid of those old bad habits that you yes. had before, because you're just like, I don't really want to show these guys the bad habits either. Yes. Because you know that they're bad. You're not stupid. I mean, mm -hmm. nobody is. Yeah, I think, but it's definitely a lot easier to change it. Sorry, I, go ahead, Parker. I think this is a good jumping off point um, to, our, to our next conversation, our next topic. Um, can I just interfere you one second there about the criticism of each other in a team? Mm -hmm. I, I think that a reason a lot of tier 2 and tier 3 teams do not get further in their career as either individuals or as groups is because they do not know how to handle criticism. They don't take enough self-responsibility or accountability to their mistakes or to learning why they are making their mistakes. Yes. That's the biggest reason why I see a lot of very talented players not getting anywhere. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. And I, I think that comes back to the leadership thing too is there's not always players that are giving that criticism or at least not giving it in the right way. 
um, to those players because I think, like I know, like Fultz was for example, like this. I I preach this. The reason Fultz is as good as he is is just because he's so open to criticism and learning. And I know he's probably not receptive to it to everyone. Like he's even said, like he takes criticism like by far on our team the best from myself or Lycan. Like he doesn't take it as well from other people. And like that, I mean, that's fine. Some like some people they only take it well in certain ways or from certain yeah. people. I mean, that's just, it's being human. Um, as long but, as he knows it's a weakness, then that's something he can work upon. Right. Exactly. And one of the reasons he's so good, though, is because he's so open to the criticism and learning. And, like, he, he constantly, constantly asks me questions about the game and, like, how he can improve or, like, what I think of this idea or, or like, what what he thinks, what I think is the right play in, in his position here. Like, constantly. He just, he wants to do the best play possible and he wants to, like, check that myself like in Bosco like whoever on the team to make sure he's doing as good as possible and there's there's plenty of other young players that I know like that who like they just play their game and then you like there there's an example I'm not gonna, I'm not going to name a name but there was an example where I heard of a guy where he, he had a coach that was basically telling him to stop peeking like stop dying early like trying to get him to adjust to it because he kept dying early and like he was literally complaining to me about receiving that criticism and I was like, I was thinking, I can honestly I like, name like half a dozen players that I've heard almost the same story about. No, I mean, and to, to be fair, like that's one of my biggest problems as an individual player is that I'm too aggressive or I'll die early. Or I'll be careless with it. And I've, I've improved a ton on it. Like I'm, I'm still pretty bad at it, but I have improved a ton. Like I used to be fucking awful with it on EG. Um, and Bacon was at Jordan was one of the first people that like would constantly tell me about it. So credit to bacon for that um and then you kicked him he called <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> and then um but like i remember like i literally i used to always have on my second monitor a gigantic fucking notepad thing that just said stay the fuck alive because like i just you need to be on your like there's no way and i i comment to my team about this like about other teams there's other teams that literally like they lie to themselves like, they have weaknesses, obvious fucking weaknesses. And they, they literally are delusional or lying to themselves and telling them that they're not bad at that. Like, you need to know what your, what your weakness is. Like, there are, land, there are teams that are weaker on land than online. And, like, <laughs> they're, and they're literally, they, they just sit there and they're like, no, we're not. Yes, you fucking are. Like, if I was on your team, I would literally be, like, I would, if I was on a team that was significantly weaker at land than online, I would literally sit there and tell the team, I'd be like, guys, we're fucking shit on land compared to online. We need to figure this the fuck out. Like, this is a problem. Nobody should, nobody from the fucking community should need to tell you that. You should, you should recognize that yourself. And I do think that's a huge issue. And that's like what sets the best teams apart is like just being real with yourself, like realizing, hey, we fucking suck at this. We need to get better at it, period. Definitely. Couldn't agree more. It's, yeah. Now I'll it's time for you, Parker. Well, well, I was going to say, involving this actual conversation, it's so hard to tell when it's when it's egos getting in the way of self improvement. When it's when it's ineptitude, maybe they just don't know how to improve. And you know, I I I remember that firestorm that you set off on the interview that we did a long time ago, Troy, where you basically said like NA needs to stop being lazy, like they need to practice, and it's it's true. And you know, I, I found it amazing because obviously. I'm not going to go out of my way and neither are you frankly to call out teams, but I found it hilarious because I kind of, I kind of jumped in 
and also tweeted like Troy is correct. North America at the time was getting smoked in every international competition. You know, EU was just eating our lunch as a region. And it, it was just like, okay, well, NA needs to stop being lazy. They need to practice better. And there were there were players and coaches on teams that I know for a fact, like either don't scrim or were barely scrimming, storming into the comments to be like, how dare you say that about us? And I wanted to respond like, dude, you spend more time playing Destiny than you do playing yep. Rainbow Six. Like, I've been in Discord calls with you. I've seen you in servers, like just dicking around raiding and playing WoW and shit. And you're going to really try and come in here and be like, of course we practice. You play like, five hours of rainbow six like a week outside of like scrims and you don't dry run and you're going to try to defend yourself in here because you know that nobody is going to call you out on it because nobody's going to look like the asshole that specifically says hey tim you don't actually scrim so i just always sit with vitality and dry run six hours a day it's like you have to put in the hours on the shitty work because that's what makes you better yep yeah and any winning an event that's obviously a fluke that's not going to happen again uh, so yeah, we're just getting back on the horse with the EU here, like yeah, reforming teams and stuff like that. You know, yeah, yeah. we're fixing our issues. Mm-hmm. Well, this was the this is what I wanted to move on to because I, I suspect this will probably carry us on in. Um, I want to talk about uh, basically what happened to you for the last three months was that you were you kind of took a, a step back, and there were periods of time where you know you led people to believe that you might not be coming back. You know, you might retire, etc. And the big question for you that 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 I would have asked is if you hadn't been picked up by, by Vitality, if no team had expressed interest in you and that was it, would have you been happy or satisfied with the mark that you left on Rainbow Six Siege? So the way I see it is that I don't play the game enough outside of practice because I don't find it enjoy, enjoyable at all. I think the game is in the absolute crap of a state and I'm not having fun playing it. I think that... I play a lot of solo queue Rainbow Six Siege. That's one of the worst experiences I have in any game. That's no joke. That's one of the absolute worst experiences. And obviously, like, well, well, I stream it sometimes. That's completely stopped now because the amount of stream snipers and all this normal stuff that it's just, it's just not fun. The, The amount of heaters, it's not just, it's just not fun. So for me, I wouldn't be able to keep up the standard of being an individual player on a high enough level to keep playing on this if I didn't play professionally again now. And I wouldn't be able to sit here and wait because there's going to be a long time until the next transfer window. So if I didn't get picked up this window, I most likely would have had to retire some degree to my own ego because I wouldn't want to come back to the show and not be good enough. I can't accept that. I have higher standards on myself than coming back and not being good enough. And therefore, I most likely would have stopped playing. I would have been pretty happy with it. I don't mind. I'm getting older. My reflexes are going down. Like I feel how I'm slower than I was when I started playing. Straight up, I do. I'm a boomer now. I just have to live with it. Yep. The young zoomers of 18, 15-year-olds on ADHD and Adderall. It's just, <laughs> I cannot compete with that. Nope. It's just impossible. These, the, It's like I see these 18-year-olds, and they just peak, and I die. And I'm like, okay, well, that was fast. Um, so for me to retire, I would have been happy with what I have achieved so far. However, it's not enough for me to achieve this, this much as I have achieved so far. I want to achieve more. I want to be the best every day of the week. I don't care against who, with who. I just want to win. Yeah. I mean, I, I can understand that. I think if I was in your same situation, like I know for me, I'm the same way. Like I can't play ranked. I mean, I, I do here and there and I do think like I should play it more. 
like to just improve myself individually. My problem is that it literally it kills my fucking mental state. It does. Like I'm I'm in a shit mood for practice. If I like if I play ranked all the time, I'll be in a shit mood for practice and I'll make everything worse. So that's why I'm skeptical to play ranked. Or yeah. like I'm very hesitant and like make sure I'm in a good mood when I play it. And the second like my vibe is killed, I have to get off. Um but I'd be the same way where like Everything like that I contribute to the team. It's like from I I watch the game a ton. I think a lot of people don't know this, but like I I'm still one of the players. I watch like almost every fucking match. Like at least in the in the three big regions in in LATAM and um, in NA and in EU. Like I I watch every match and like I'm constantly like watching streams on the side. Like I watch a lot of Siege, the competitive side of it, and between that and scrimming it, like that's that's how I. That's how I contribute to the team because I understand the meta well from watching and playing, yeah. and I think I understand it better than a lot of other players. And that's how I contribute to the team. But if I didn't have that, like you said, like if you're taking three months off of practicing, like you are falling behind. And if you take more time off than that, like you're going to keep falling behind. And it's going to be very hard to catch up. And like I, I, I think I'd be in the same shoes as you, where I'd be hesitant to come back after taking that long time because I feel like it would probably give an embarrassing result. It, it probably would. Because for a long time, so too. far behind, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, you, you look at it just now. These three months that I have been off playing, two maps have changed. We're now playing Meme Park, and we're also playing uh, yes. Oregon. What do you think? The first thing I did when I heard that Oregon is going to be back on the map, went onto the server, destroyed every single wall, found all the angles. What the? What is the best way of playing this map? Yeah, and it it does the sort of things that people don't realize how much time you spend off off of the game from like practicing. It's like the amount of hours that Rainbow Six Siege is on my brain, yes. Like the amount of hours it isn't, I can probably count on one hand. Yes. Thinking of a strat, like I don't know how many strats I've figured out in the shower. Like there's so yes. many strats. Literally, yeah. I stand in the shower and like, wait, could that work? And yes. then you go on paper and you're like, most of the time it's like, no, that's a shit fucking idea. And then sometimes you have the golden egg in your head and you just didn't know it until you were in the shower. Yeah, in the, in the shower or laying in bed, like the, I used to have a joke on um, on EG where like and and uh, Jordan Bacon he 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 laughed at this bit, but um, we'd have our group chat and literally there'd just be some nights where like I'd be sitting in bed and I'd type an idea in the group chat and then I and then I'd always say oh and also and then I'd add another idea and I would do that like ten times in one night because I would just fly through ideas in that night and be like yeah. and also I think we could do this and also we should try this. And, and so on and so forth. And, like, I do think a lot of people don't recognize that. Like, there are there are some players in the game. I will say, a lot of the players that, like, don't grind ranked, they're not always like this. But there are some players that, like, aren't constantly, like, grinding ranked, but, like, they don't stop thinking about Siege. And, like, I know I'm one of those players. I know you're one of those players where it's, like, you're constantly thinking of ideas and, like, you'll come into practice the next day, even if you didn't play the game. Like he'll come into the practice the next day, and you'll be like, "Hey, I have this that I want to try, and see how that works, and and maybe you'll get better at the map because of it." And another thing, I like just expanding on that. We're never stopping. This this podcast is gonna be fifteen hours. Um, one thing that I I notice as well is that a lot of teams that are playing, they aren't playing to practice; they're playing to win. And that's something I still see today. I I can't count how many times we. L- lose a map in practice because I forced the fi- same bomb site five times in a row just to freaking make it work. And it's like, okay, what is it we're doing wrong? Are we missing this rotation? Should we change the rotation to this side? Should we make shooting holes here? Should we do vertical holes here? What is it that we can change to make this work? 
Sometimes, mm-hmm. yeah, you must, you're just losing your gunfights, but you can notice when you're losing your gunfights, and your players can say when they're losing their gunfights. Other times, it's the strat. And when it's for practice, you can just push it over and over and over and over again, and you notice how some teams are like, okay, we lost that bombsite, let's move on to the next. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it honestly, like, it blows me away to hear this, and it's like there was an interesting conversation that happened in, in North America um what was it like two weeks ago a week ago where teams were talking about try and, and you probably saw this teams were talking about like blacklisting pro league teams because all they're doing is like breaking windows and hopping out of windows and just like wasting everybody's time and i've i've heard this for ages where it's like you know the old ronin team with mm. billboard and talent and all them I remember when one team very publicly said on Twitter, like we blacklisted them because all they keep doing is literally jumping out of fucking windows and spawn peeking. And it's like, but then they don't do that really on game day. They kind of do, but they don't. So it ends up being just like an exercise in futility because you're not learning anything. And it's like, I I, I can't imagine why teams think that's effective. Small peaks are a part of the game, and I think that you should do them in practice. There shouldn't be anything that says that you can't. I think it's the attacking side's fault if they aren't keeping their eyes on the windows. Um, Yeah, I can understand. It ruins the round, and uh, to some degree, it does, because you don't get the quote-unquote strategical aspect of the round the same way. And it might turn out to to you losing your guy on your own anyway, so it might be a negative effect for your team. I understand why people do it in matches, because it can get your a win on the round in the first five seconds of the round. I understand why people do it in practice too, because I think it's part of the game. That I think it's good or not doesn't really matter. It's part of the game. Just freaking be aware of it. Yeah, I understand That's it cute. as well. I will say, there. so there's some teams, and I, this is in NA especially. I know this happens all the time in NA. There's some teams, they do, like, spawn peaks or, like, ridiculously aggressive plays. Like, there, there's one fucking team. I'm not going to say a name. I'm not going to say, say players' it. names. Dude, they they do. They're infamous for the first thirty seconds in the round flank. Like, is it E United? No, but they <laughs> they're it, uh, they're they're, they're one of the they're one of the no. I don't <laughs> know anymore. NA E United is one of the controversial ones. It's a it's an <laughs> NA Challenger League team, anyone. But they do like is the, it the Pog first, Champ? It was Pog Champ. And it was one of their players. All right, let's give it up. <laughs> Um, Where's the player? Is it Pogchamp no, no. player? I love how dedicated you are to getting this information. Fabian yeah, needs to know. I have no idea know. who even plays in this team. Fabian needs to know. I just know that they have a team called Pogchamp and a team called Yo Esports. Like, how can you not <laughs> love those names? But anyways, the, the 15 seconds second into the round flank thing, that was one of their players. He's not even on the team anymore. But he would do, he would do literally, like, you would spawn up, you would get into the first room of the building, and right away he's trying to flank. And, like, he would kill you the first time you did it. And then after that, you would, like, or or he might not. But, like, either way, he would keep on trying to do it. And I'm just thinking in my head, I'm like, like, how can they be happy with their team if they're playing with a guy who's, like, taking a fucking coin flip in the first 15 seconds of every round? Yeah. Because, like, half the, like, half the time, you're not playing a normal round. Yeah. More than half the time. What does that give in, exactly. in the terms of practice? Fucking nothing. Exactly. And that's where I have a problem with it, where it's like, how are you how are you gonna feel like you're improving at all? Because like you're just you don't you don't even see if the strat's gonna work. Like your strat involves yeah. five people. Like how how are you gonna know if the strat works if every round is odd numbers? You don't. So like that that's like you can't improve like that, I feel like. I, I don't mind if you throw it in there like here and there. Sure, like throw it throw in some dumb aggression here and there. But every round, like you're you're just not gonna improve consistently. I mean, the time that you throw in the dumb aggression is when you're in a negative number situation. For example, three versus four, or four versus five, or two versus four. That's when you try the stupid stuff. Yes. Because that stupid stuff might 
gap you the round back. But you don't try it in the five versus five in practice every single time. Or you do it when literally the world championship is on the line and you are Canadian who spawn peaks out of hookah window and kills Jonas as glass with the biggest fucking balls I have seen in a professional match in ages. That's the time you whip it out because you gonna, you're not expecting it at all at that point. I'm going to be the honest. funniest part. We called it. I did. We fucking called it. He's spawn peaking hookah. I remember the round. Yep. Yeah, well, your glass still died. So My glass still died. I'm going to be honest, though. Like, so Coastline was a map that we didn't know too well. I mean, we we like played it. We kind of knew it. But it was one of our weaker maps for sure. And like it was at that... like This was like an overtime, I think. Like It was late in that map. Map 5 uh, I think it was. I think it was 4-3. I'm it telling was the round you, before OT. Yeah, that I'm was the round you, you won we, to get OT. Won, yeah. yeah, we By won both that, OT rounds. By that point in the game, I was fucking brain dead. Literally <laughs> brain dead. Like That's there was coastline. It, like we were I was so mentally fucking exhausted. And I was literally I remember we were just setting up and I was just like, yo, Nate, you have smack hookah window for me? He's like, I don't know if I can make it man. I was like, ah fuck it, I'll make it in time. And I just smacked it and peaked. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I worked. But it I was mean, like, that game, I have never been more mentally exhausted than that yes. game. Ever. That one was a shit show. Fabian, more Jesus than Christ. more than 2019 after that first that first coastline. 2019 was nothing in comparison to 2018. Well, no, <laughs> no. I mean, it was it was a reverse sweep that took all five maps, and it was it was like a grueling yeah. like three ish hours. But I mean, that how fatiguing was that Empire matchup? That you know, 21, 22. I can't even fucking remember the exact amount of of rounds it was. <laughs> It was like 22 rounds or so. I, I was yeah. broken. I can't even imagine how broken you guys were as competitors. <laughs> you come to a point where it's like, we're just winning attack rounds. Both sides are just winning attack mm -hmm. rounds. What do we do to fix this? And nobody found the fucking answer. We mm -hmm. were just keeping on attacking. We were like, okay, what are we going to do this round that we haven't done? Yeah, we've done everything we know how to do. Let's do it again. <laughs> so it's it just, no, I don't know. It, for us, it was fine. There was a lot of miscommunication and stuff like that after a while. You'll see one round that people are talking about. There's this clip where I put my hand to my chest and apologize to Pengu. And that's because Pengu gets killed. Jonas calls. He's jumping out blue window in a two versus one situation for us. When we I am in hookah holding the vertical play for like the little sofa area. Mm -hmm. um, lounge area code whatever and i know he's in blue bar and jonas calls he's jumping out blue window so i run out on hookah balcony to kill him before he's gonna run into pink and he doesn't do that that was a fake call the guy c4 snick from the rotation hall and it, it, it comes to that part where it's like i just apologize so that we don't create a bad situation in the group it's my fault i'll take responsibility for it let's just keep playing and it's like the mental states we are in when you're, we're making fake calls, we're misplaying everything, things are just going wrong left, right, and center. We just have to move on from it. Like, you can't let it get there. Yes. And if I will say... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, no, you can go ahead. Don't worry. Nothing I was just going to say, I, I will say, I think that's, and again, one of the things that like sets teams apart, and this probably plays in the leadership thing, too, that we're commenting on, is like, and I think a lot of teams don't realize this, and like, especially like teams that like haven't made it to as many lands, like they, because that that is a thing. Is like, there's a lot of pro teams that they don't they don't play at majors, right? Like, you're a pro team, but you don't necessarily get to play at majors. Um, and there's a lot of these pro players that I don't think they understand like 
It's literally a different game. When you're playing on land in a tournament environment, it's literally a different game because of nerves, mental exhaustion, all of it. Like, it becomes a fucking shit show. Yeah. Like, in, in practice and even in online matches, like, you're going through your steps, all that. That doesn't fucking exist on land. Like, nope. when you're playing against the best teams, they're unpredictable, you're unpredictable. It becomes a fucking shit show. And that's like that's how the best teams thrive is when they when they could deal with that chaos and make it work and make their chaos somewhat structured. It's a completely different game when it comes to the game as well, though. That as well. <laughs> it's like, like everything game just works. works. <laughs> game Sound works. can be listened to, and you can hear when they're coming in the hallway next to you. It's just simple. It's a good game on LAN, offline yes. not so, or online not so much. We love it on LAN. Yeah. Feels bad, man. EU are not even getting to play it on land anymore. That's going to be a massive advantage for the North yeah, American definitely. teams, you know, if they ever get to play on land. Um, given what's yeah, going if, on right now, yeah, if it's going to be a massive advantage to them in the terms of the best team is going to win more often than not. Yeah, I mean, hey, I remember, I remember when Latam was on champ, land. Pro League champions. You remember when Latam was on land and EU and NA complained yeah. about it and said that Latam yep. was getting. The newest region was getting too much exposure. Um, I want to move into questions in just a moment, uh, but I guess the last, the last question I want to ask you about uh, is probably your most infamous moment. And you have portrayed, whether it is sincere or whether it is dialed up to 11, you have portrayed a villain uh, more often than not. Obviously, you do charity streams. You usually share kind words to your opponents, uh, either in victory or defeat. So obviously, it's not... People don't necessarily believe all the time that you are 100% a meanie. However, what I thought was a little out of character for you, and I want to know whether it was deliberate or whether it was just a spur-of-the-moment thing, was at the Raleigh Major. You go up on stage and you call, you say that a team, another team, one of your opponents is playing like fucking shit, which struck me as odd because... Every single time before that, I'd always seen you as very gracious. If you lose to a team, you usually speak their praise. Uh, if you beat a team, you usually give commendation to how they played. Was this something where you were walking up to do the interview, you knew you were going to say that? Or was it just the adrenaline rush from winning the matchup and something that just came to you on the spot? Well, uh, I obviously shouldn't have said what I said. I mean, anyone can understand that. And there's no going back on it. I said it. Stuff happens. Uh, it's not more than I move on from it. Uh, the reason it comes up, and uh, my mood was completely destroyed for that interview because uh, I had a conversation with, um, with Golden Boy before, and I was asking him like, "Hey, do you know who who I am? Do you do, do you have any idea about like what I do on stage? Do you know that I kind of pretend to be a bit of an asshole?" And yeah, he goes, "Yeah, I know exactly who you are. I've been following you since year one of this game and all of this stuff." And then he introduces me as Pengu. And you can imagine when you come to to an interview on the grand stage of a major and the guy who is having the interview with you have no idea who you even are. And he lies to my face and says that he does. does. I was extremely frustrated and I was pissed off that a, play, or a, a guy that would hold the interview would lie to my face. And I think that was extremely unprofessional for him. And I just lost my mood completely. It's a lack of judgment from my side, obviously. Um, but I was so frustrated about that because I don't think it's respectful to tell a player that, yeah, I know who you are. I've been following you for three years only to introduce me as someone else. Why, and why take that on the he, team, though? 
no, I, I didn't say that they played like literally fucking shit. I said that everyone that they have played against have played like literally fucking shit. That's what I said. And they had. They had played like literally fucking shit. Forza is a good team. They were a good team at that point too. But they weren't as good as they looked. Because the other teams that have played against them had played really, really poorly. They had. They had played so bad. I agree. And that, yeah, I, I will agree with that as well. That, I, that I, happens in a lot of events, I'd say. Where yeah. like a team, a team looks better than they are. And I think one of the main reasons is because like when when a team like beats some other team, right? They they take it as like they beat this name. This name is really good. But they don't look at it objectively like how was Empire playing at the time or how was this team playing at the time. Yeah. Um, and obviously it's completely on me. I mean, I said the words. It's my fault. Like there's nobody to blame. Even if he did this, but I think it's very poor judgment from his side. It's my fault. I said the words and I take the responsibility for it. There's no other way around it. I shouldn't have done it. And that's the story is over. Basically, in my mind, how it is. I mean, I, I fucked up massively. Shouldn't do it. Should have never have done it. It happened, though. Yeah. I I mean, it's it's an interesting story to get into because, I mean, I heard, I heard the talent slash production side of it where it was just... It was a slip-up at the exact moment. Golden Boy was actually in chat earlier. Um, and he jokingly said, like, oh, is that Pengu? So it's it's nice yeah. that we can it's nice that we can play about it now. Um but for me it was it was more along the lines of, of how out of character it was and where that came from. Um Yeah, I was just frustrated. Nothing more to it. I, it pissed me off immensely that someone would lie to me. Because I'm not the guy that pushes people. And I don't expect them to do it to me either. Especially when it comes to getting someone on stage when we've had the guy that we've had with us forever which is Matt, and he's known everything about everyone, and he, he knows the stories of every team, he knows which players plays for the teams. And then we bring someone new in, and the guy has no clue who plays in, plays in them, who's the team captain. Well, from the outside perspective, we, we didn't have one on the inside perspective, but uh, who is the captain of the most successful team in the history of the game. You come onto the major, interviews the captain of that team, and you don't know who he is, and you lie to his face that you did. That just doesn't cut it for me. I mean, I, I don't think it. Ex I don't think it excuses it. Um, I, I also want to say, in, in in absolute fairness, you know, Matt made mistakes as well. You know, the oh, sure the, the, yeah, yeah. the one in Milan is is especially glaring for me too. Um, yeah. and, and you know, I've I have committed it just as well. Uh, I think the I think the one Everyone point does. that I would yeah everybody makes mistakes. I, I mean, it's it's the thing for me that I will quarrel with is. It's it's tough to know, especially with you, because a lot of people don't actually know you, right? Like they don't like I know you, Troy knows you, like we know you on a personal level. And and for me it was I was surprised that you said it. I my assumption was at the time that it was kind of for shock value because it, it did play into your character a little bit about, you know, you being the person who's always outspoken and, and the thing about fours, and I don't know if Troy can can talk about this, but there was a there was a team that I know was playing fours, or they had to play Forza on the last day, the knockout day, if I remember, which is the day that fours went through. Uh, I think it was it was Dark Zero that had to play DZ. them. Yeah, it was it was DZ. Yeah. DZ played it. And I just remember after fours won or whatever, and we're playing on the last day, one one member of the the organization so it doesn't necessarily need to be a player just like came up to me and was just like 
I don't have any fucking idea how these guys are still here. Like we, like, what are we going to do? Like, how is this going to, this is, this match is just going to be a shit show tomorrow. And it was, and you know, I, and I heard that from a lot of teams. I heard that from an awful lot of teams that it's like, cause I guess force just kind of came out of nowhere. Everybody's like, what is going on? Why are these guys beating teams like so easily? And it's like, you've got Rask and Pasha just doing crazy shit against some of the best players on land. And you're just like, these guys came out of nowhere. So I, I had also wondered partially if, if the reason why you said it was to try and kind of get in the head of fours. I don't know if it was a deliberate action, but by saying that every single team that had played against fours was playing like fucking shit, it kind of shakes fours confidence a little bit. And I was wondering if you were trying to play those, those mental head games with them. So I, Not uh, at all. I usually do. I usually try to play people's heads. I've done yeah. it multiple times. Uh, look at the first grand final I played in, come up on stage and I said it's always a good day to play the second best team in the world when we're standing on the stage deciding who is the best. So it's like, uh, they're always. I always try to play the mental game because I think you can win the game before the game starts with it. And uh, this was not one of those moments. This was one of the lack of judgment on my part. I fucked up massively. I apologize for it. Um, shouldn't have happened. Won't happen again. Simple as that. It's my, my fault completely. But I was very frustrated about the situation around it. Yeah. I mean, it was it was content. I think it was the most played clip of the whole weekend. You know, I think it's interesting that uh, I can bring more clip or clicks uh, to an interview in one interview than every other single team combined can do in an entire season. And that's just because how good of an interview person I am. Did you see, by the way, the vitality reveal cards on the new players? I and they put that. me on skill on 99 on everything except for interview. I got 10 points in interview. Well, I didn't see the interview thing. <laughs> so the, in the end, they had like, I didn't they see had that, like individual performance. So it's like for Rice, they had LAN, 40 points. And I got the interview, 10 points. I'm like, Bro, <laughs> okay. I had 99 of everything except the interviews. I I will say this, whether it was, it, it, whatever the circumstances may be, I did very much enjoy interviewing Pengu because it's, it, number one, it's it's nice to be able to get different perspectives and it's, it's nice to be able to talk to different people on the teams because I, I do think one of the issues that we have as an esport is that we are very top heavy with personalities. We don't like most teams have one person and that's it. Yeah. Right. Yep. And and I think that diversifying that is really important. I, I think it's great for our esport. I think it's good for the players. It's good for brands and it's great for the fans. Um, so getting to talk to Pengu who by no means needed any more exposure because he is already massive, but getting to talk to him, I thought was interesting, but I will say this and this is the only time I will ever say it. I did miss interviewing you. Kind of like your mom said about me in her bed then. Mm. Tremendous. You're well, more than welcome. Uh, thank you, Parker. I, it warms my heart. She, she does want a Vitality jersey, by the way. And, and She's going to get one. I was, okay. I mean, she still needs one, right? Uh, for the people that don't know, the Invitationals, was it 2019 jersey that I wore in the grand final? Who do you think owns that? Uh, no, no, no. It was, um, oh. it was Rio. It was, it was the Rio, Rio, Rio finals, yeah. Okay. Rio, Rio grand finals. finals shirt belongs yeah. to Parker's mom. That is actually correct. Yes, you know, is. the way I see it with jerseys is that if you're, if there's a, if there's a lady wearing your jersey, it's like putting your flag on the castle. You know, you have you conquered and you have shown that you are the dominant <laughs> person. 
Okay, I'm just talking out the way I ass sat now. here for an hour. I sat here for an hour and 38 minutes, and I was wondering when it was finally going to arrive. I was like, it's been. He's being awfully civil, and I, I, oh. I knew it was. I knew it was coming at some point. Um, just a question about time. Uh, no. So we've got we got 20 minutes left. Um, we've got a bunch of questions from people in the community, but I wanted to give Troy the last question if he has anything to discuss before we do solicit some questions right now. Um, this is the perfect time for a shameless plug for people that are watching this live and then people that are going to listen to it on Spotify and on Apple and, and watch it on YouTube. We do have a discord. Um, if, if one of the moderators in chat could give that discord link out so you can get in here. Uh, what we want to do is we want when it's just Troy and I to answer generic questions, but then additionally, we want to solicit questions from you to ask the guests. Now, a lot of you asked some very good questions about Fabian. So Troy, feel free to to end this off before I, I pick a couple of these out to to give to to Fabian. Um, I get one more question I just wanted to add, and it was like just back to the IGLing stuff again. Um, because I know this is probably a question you get a ton, and I know I get a ton. I know Lycan gets it a ton, and we jo we literally joke about it because people always ask, like, how do I become better as an IGL? And, like, I literally, like, I don't think there's a fucking answer to it. And it, it oh. drives me crazy, people asking that question. Um, Lycan actually, he gave, he told me, like, a response he gave to it, and I thought it was really good. He, he literally said to the guy, he was like, all right, can you, uh, can you like, in, in a minute, tell me how to change a tire? And, it, and then I was like, yeah, I could do that. And he's like, okay, now can you do that with a strat in how to win a rounded siege? And he's like, no, I don't think so. And he's like, you're not an IGL then. And it's literally like as simple as that. It's like you just, you, you explain how your team wants to win the round. Yeah. And like you, you say whatever the fuck it takes to get your team to win the round. Um, I, I think the leadership attribute of an in-game leader is very important. I, I don't think it's that much about being a good lead, like in-game leader and knowing the game the best that is the most important thing for an in-game leader. I think that the leadership and the trust between teammates is so much more important than actually being able to call the best strat. And the leadership ability is not something I think you can practice or learn from nothing or by just playing. It's something that you either have or you don't. That's the way I look at it. It's, I, I don't know why I look at it that way or why I have the idea that it is that way. But I think that if you are a good leader, that's something that you have taken with you from childhood. And it's yes. just someone who you are. Yes. It's just I, your personality. I'm, I'm of the same belief. And that's what I was basically going to ask. I was going to say is like, is it something you can learn or is it just a natural ability? And I, I agree. Like, I think it's it's got to be who you are like i think you can learn to get better at it like i've i've become so much better as a leader and an in-game leader all that like i've i've improved so much and changed so much but it, i do really think like i don't think there's just that switch where it's like you're not an in-game leader and then one day you're like all right i'm gonna give this a shot and then like yeah. you can start to pick it up i don't think that's a thing i think it's just too hard to do for some people and i think the, the reason i kind of believe it the same way you did is like I never, I never like asked people like how to how to become better at it. Like I, I talk to like other leaders. Like I talk to you about like opinions on things and stuff like that because I respect your opinion. Like I know we have a similar approach and similar role. But I, when when I first started in the game, like I didn't know I was going to be the in-game leader. Like I, I literally played on my team, and in our first scrim, I just like. I just literally just took over the team. And like it wasn't intention, it was just how we played the game. Like yeah. when I just brought that intensity, like that's just how it worked out. And then literally the scrim finished and we're like, I guess Troy's I guess Troy's calling. And we're like, okay. And that was it. I'm, so like same way. I mean, you just take over and it's just natural. It comes naturally if if you are a leader or not. Yeah. So I think that's 
uh, it was a question I wanted to get out because I think yeah. it would answer a lot of things for a lot of people out there. Yeah. Um, because a lot of people do ask those kind of questions, and I think uh, that can be educational for you guys. Yeah. But when I say that you can't improve it, it's not that I mean that you can't like improve it at all. It's more that I mean that you can't improve it and go from maybe being not the leader at all to being a top tier in game leader like like a step. I, it's like if you look at it from like put, pretend like we go back to the FIFA rating of one to ninety nine, and you have the people that are leaders at this highest level, and they have a leadership skill of around well, I have around ninety eight, ninety nine, and you are somewhere around sixty five, and you can step up three points or four points, but you can't go those ninety points up to the top immediately. That doesn't work. Yeah. So you've taken that. five points up, and I'm pretty much the same as always, the top. Uh, and it's just people can't get big steps. Yeah, I could agree with that. And I think, uh, I guess one example is like, there's also like kind of secondary like leadership figures on teams. Like I, I say we have like two primary ones between myself and Lycan. Um, yeah. But then I, I'd also say like Bo Bosco is also a big leadership figure in our team. But like, I wouldn't like Bosco couldn't lead a team by himself. Yeah. I don't think. Oh, and I that's... just th I think that's just not who he is. But I will yeah. say that he's he's like taken the effort to improve a lot of his leadership abilities to like be able to supplement and like add on to right. what myself and Lycan bring. And I think it helps a lot. Oh, um, it definitely does. I mean, I have Rice for the same. We have exactly. Lori, who, who is the, the coach for, for Vitality here, and I think she's doing a great job. And like you have the leadership and you have the strong opinions of her and me, and then you have the strong opinions of Rice to follow up on the way that I think. And when we have the same basic idea of how to play and how the basic idea of how to be leader, and then he follows up on the parts that I lack, or he follows up on the same points as I have and makes them stronger. So it's like... You add together all the people in your team. It's it's not just upon one person to be a leader because, as we said before, the entire team needs to trust the leader. And the, the only way that the leader gets as good at leadership as he gets with his team is because the other people let him. Yes. Don't forget Helby. Nah, he's not that much of use. All right. I mean, he's from North America, so it's not like we get anything from him. Anyways, okay. I'm, oh, all, okay. I'm all good then. That was my, my final question. So I guess we'll we'll ask a, we'll ask a couple questions here, and Troy, obviously, feel free to weigh in on this as well. Um, this is this is a question that comes from uh, Marwan Musa, who has a G two emblem as their avatar. So likely, is the red the red circle here with the end call? Is that the one I'm supposed to click? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you you talked a lot about your individual contributions and and basically what. Uh, Basically, what uh, Marwan is asking is honest opinions about G2 support staff and a deeper explanation of how a good support staff can impact a team's performance. Uh, if you look at Chas uh, as a coach, I have had him with me since year one, season one. Uh, before I even like we even considered it being a professional job. Um, Shaz is uh, very good with people and keeping people's emotions in check and pe keeping people calm. He also, I don't know how he does it, but when we go to an event, he sleeps like three hours a night and he just keeps working, keeps working, keeps working. I don't know if he has a switch in his brain or if he's a robot himself, but there's just something with that guy that just, he screams leadership figure for a group of players especially when players are younger he was yes. very very important to our success because he is i don't know actually he's like three years older than me 
two years I, I older. I think than he's the same like age that. as me. I think he's either uh, I think he's either twenty nine or twenty eight, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think he's twenty eight now. So yeah. maybe twenty one. It doesn't really matter. But when we started playing, you look at Kanto and you look at Pengu and you look at Chaos. Like those guys were really young, like really, really young. They don't have any life experiences. And then by having a person like Shaz who knows people and he knows how to talk to people to guide these guys through the beginning phases of their professional career, Shaz. If you look at our team, you might think that we have great players, but you, most people don't realize that most of this, what we achieved as a group, I think you can put in the hands of Shaz. Because of the way that he worked with the group and the way that he made the group come together, nobody could have done it better than him. I owe everything of my career to him. Straight up. It's high praise. I, I mean, I, I even get a little bit emotional because of it. Because, like, it's... Yeah. I owe it all to him. Yeah. Um, Sorry. No, no, that's okay. I, I can attest to this. Um, obviously not to the same level you can. But even just when you guys got knocked out this year, Shaz crashed with me in my hotel room. And even though you guys weren't even playing anymore, he was still staying up every night until 3 a.m. And he was often up before I was. And I was getting up to go in for rehearsals and get up early. Second. Sorry. And it was like he had he literally had binders on all of the teams. He had binders on every single team that was there. He had strats that were set up for it. He had what the teams did. It was it actually blew my mind getting to sit there and sift through everything that Shas had brought. It is some of the most comprehensive work I've ever seen, period. And it's just like if every team had a coach like that, Every single team. Think about how much more competitive this game would be. It was it was mind blowing. So yeah. now I mean, I, sorry, continue. Go ahead, Canadian. I was actually yeah, I was about to comment on like. So I I'd say, Lycan is like my first experience with like, and and then Sov and Luke as well. Like it's my first experience with, like, very significant uh support staff like where the the effect is really felt and i think lichen brings a lot of what you're saying with like the life experience like he, he's married he has kids he was he was in the navy like he, like he he's gone through it he know like he knows what he's talking about and he's very good at handling people's emotions and keeping us calm and i think i think it's a big reason why i've changed emotionally is because He's very, it's very reassuring to have him around because I can be, I can be panicky because I'm an emotional guy. Like it, it's obvious. Um, but like he, he helps a lot where like I won't overreact to as many situations because he's very reassuring and like kind of very quickly he can make me snap back into my like rational state of mind. Um, so I mean, like obviously I don't know everything you've gone through with Shas, but like. I can relate to it on a, on a smaller degree just from like my short time with like, and like it's, yeah. it sounds very similar. And I mean, it, it is a, like, it is so helpful. Like it leading on, on SS3 is like 10 times easier for me just because like, in like, like handles the shit that like, that I don't know about. Like, I, I don't know, like, like I can't handle someone's like life experiences. Like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> right like we're fucking so, nothing i mean we're kids that play video games for yeah exactly sake. Like, we have so, like, no idea what we're doing in life yeah, yeah like i can i can tell you what to do in the game all the time sure but like i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna give you life advice like and and i shouldn't and and like lichen's really great for that and kind of yeah the, the emotional side of the game and and just team in general so yeah uh 
co- coaches deserve a lot of credit. I will say though, there's also a lot of coaches that don't do as much. Stealing and I think checks. Just, yeah, and I I think that's partially also though because like like I wasn't exposed to like what a really good coach is until now. Um, and like I like I still think Gotcha was a good coach, and like I still think Jordan brought like good par- like me and Jordan like I don't think we could have worked long term. That's just like personality things, but I do think Jordan brings good things to a team. And I mean, there was there was a bunch of bullshit between us afterwards, and I think that's just also our personalities clashing after we we split ways. Um, and the Eagles, yeah. And we've 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 spoken to each other and cleared that up. And I I like I I really like Jordan as a person. I think he's a good guy, and I do think he brings something to the team. But I don't think we worked well together, and I think he'll completely agree with that. Um. So, anyways, uh, but like when you're exposed to that kind of coaching, I think. Like, I think a lot of teams don't realize what they're missing out on. So they just, like, they have a coach just to have a coach. And they're like, yeah, he does this. It it helps. But, like, you don't <laughs> know how significant it could be. A lot in the lower tiers as well, you have these coaches that are, well, I wouldn't call them coaches because they aren't really coaches. They're more of, like, the guy that isn't good enough to play the video game at this level that just want to be part of the group and to want to be friends with the players. Is that you, Parker? Yeah, you're casting it instead. Why do you think I cast? Funny. How many grand finals have you been part on and never actually <laughs> won one? If you think about it, me and Troy, we, we've been part of quite a few and we won a few. You I can't won. win the grand finals. It's impossible. That's your, your problem, isn't it? What do you think about this, Troy? Do you agree with me here? It's kind of pathetic not winning at a single event <laughs> the time, pretty much every final. Yeah, you keep going to finals and you can't even win them. The, yeah. the story's always about me choking finals. Well, what about Parker? What about what about Kickstarter? At least I've won a pathetic performance. What about Kickstarter? He's been in more finals than me. Okay. Yeah, but he 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 has excuses. He doesn't hear on one ear. How does that have any relevance at all? has all the relevance it needs to do to have. Okay. Uh, I, I also, I never got to Sua, but Sua is a really, really hardworking analyst, and I think that there are a few people that look at the game as well as he does. And having those two guys to combine, having one that is very, very analytical, Shaz also very analytical, but he doesn't have the same understanding of the game as Sua does. Mm-hmm. I just think that they complement each other perfectly. And now that they finally get to work with each other and have more set-up roles, I think that they're going to become much better support staff, both of them. Okay, we got time for let's. We got seven minutes here before Troy has to go for scrim. So let's try to get this. Uh, let's just kind of do quick, quicker answers. Uh, this one actually comes from Ice Cold. He was the former media manager, the, the social media manager for ESL Rainbow Six's account. Uh, funny guy, obviously. Um, says, how does it feel to be considered the villain of our pro community? And uh, I guess this question can be relevant to Canadian too, to some extent, uh, if he'd like to answer it. I mean, I don't really care. To me, it's just freaking entertainment. And I think that the way that I do interviews and the way that I am as a person brings entertainment value. And I think that's something that will uh, give longevity to the scene. And instead of just having a boring-ass game where, as I said in the score esports thing that they did about me, every other pro is a bland bland pro. There is no person. That, and I stand by that because I don't think we, we, have the, we, have, we don't have the space to be fun and make things up. I think that we have become quite put in, this is the way you need to be as a professional player. Uh, And I don't think we get the space to do what we want to do, and we don't get the space to express ourselves. And I think that the reason I can be sort of a villain is because 
I win so much in the sense of what I did before, and therefore it's hard for me to get punished yes. because it's very hard yeah. to punish someone that has succeeded. But punishing someone like, well, <coughs> you know, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention his name. Um, I, you know, like it's easy to punish someone like that when they don't, when they haven't won anything in in that sense. They aren't the big followed pro pro player. That's one of the like I don't know. I don't care. Like one of the, the most followers on on social media and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think that I have gotten away with a lot of stuff I wouldn't normally have. And I think that we are kind of getting told to not stand out. And I think that's boring. And I think it sucks. And I wish it was in a different way. However, it isn't. And uh, I think that. To make the scene more interesting, I play the role that I do, and I'm having fun with it. And I hope the people watch and saw that parts where I did play my role also enjoyed it. Yep. Because in the I end, mean, it's all about having fun. Yeah, I, I think it's important that you do it. And I, I mean, I used to follow like a lot of different esports like before I played Siege. So like I was very well aware of the villain role. And like two two people that come to mind are Idra and Starcraft, and um, Aches and COD. And like Ake, like Aches genuinely like one of the most entertaining pros in COD, and it was very similar to you, where like he was fucking winning everything. Like the guy literally like pushed Nade shot. Like he was more ridiculous than you. He literally pushed Nade shot like while shaking hands on a stage. Like he didn't yeah, shake his hand. He just pushed him. <laughs> then I'm like, bad. <laughs> yeah, like ridiculous shit. And like the guy's like always outspoken, always like calling people shit. Like ridiculous. But like. He he loves it. He embraces it just like you do. And like it's that's important. Like people people fucking love it. People either love you because of it or they love to hate you. And like either yeah. way, that break like that brings eyeballs. That gets people invested. And I um he commented that like I could comment on this as well. I'm I'm definitely not a villain. I think like if anything, my role is more like tragic hero kind of thing. <laughs> like where it's like like I feel like it is, right? It was like like my fatal flaw is that I couldn't win a fucking finals or that I that I stood up on the white stairs, right? That was and the I, best play I've ever seen. And I will actually say for, for a while right after it, I and I think it was because I was like I was so mad at myself for that play that like this comes back to what I commented on earlier like I'm a when it when it comes to things I'm serious about, I'm defensive. Like there's a lot of things I could joke about and I don't give a shit. Like you could laugh at me, you laugh at me for anything. Like my fucking teeth, anything, I don't care. Like I'll laugh it off because like it is what it is. That's fucking me. And but my play, like that was a big mistake I made, and I fucking like I was pissed off that I did it. And just like it kept on coming up, and I was like, for a while, I didn't deal with it well at all. I will say I didn't. I think like it's it's came around to where I, I have now, and I. I think I've like I've I've looked at people like Fabian to like kind of recognize it like not in the same sense where like obviously you you're you're embracing like being a villain but like I have to just embrace the fact like hey I made a fucking stupid mistake so be it like let's prove them wrong and and that's that um so yeah uh I don't know I I mean I like it but yeah I I do think there needs to be more personality I mean I, that comes from me as well I do think I have more than most players but like yeah like there there isn't a ton of room i will say like you said um yeah there's there's not all that much you can say and honestly like uh like fabian said like you're not in much of a position to talk shit if you're not winning yeah actually a perfect example though is fucking seth super like he literally just doesn't give a shit dude he just says whatever the fuck he wants and embraces it and like 
I mean, literally, like, the guy was in Challenger League, and he was one of the most interesting personalities in the game. Like, that says something, right? Yeah. I will I will end this discussion uh, because I have one last question for us with, with just my thoughts. I, I think that the mistake that is made is that a lot of players and I'm not I don't mean either of you. A lot of players mistake bashing the game or being negative on Twitter as being a personality. And I don't think that is. Um, I definitely think that there is tons of opportunity for players to uh, essentially have some level of personality and be able to be themselves. It doesn't even necessarily need to be a villain. You can, you know, you can be over the top. You can have a gigantic ego. You can have drama with other players, you know, and that honestly, that's been something that's been kind of missing from our scene is that we haven't really had players that have openly hated each other. You know, certainly not to the extent that people are getting pushed on stage and not that that should be happening, but I do think that there is still room. I just don't think a lot of People know how to do it. And the, to me, the greater issue is that nobody's really media trained, so they don't know where those boundaries are. Now, my last question for you is... I closet hate Parker. There you go. That's what yeah. I, do. I will right. say, I, th I feel like, yeah, they don't know where the boundaries are. They're like scared to say things yeah. because they're like, I can't say this about the game, so I can't say this about this guy. Well, I mean, you, you kind of said this, both of you said this before, you know, we're, we, for the most part, most of the people involved in the scene are kids. They, they grew mm -hmm. up playing video games. They don't really have... Uh, a ton of experience they don't know where to draw the line and and they don't they don't know what's right or wrong you know like to to a lot of us especially people who are older in the scene and i know lichen will echo these sentiments almost exactly is that most of this shit is common sense like what you can and can't say is is very common you don't need to think too hard about it but when you're 18 years old and you lack a lot of experience and now you have this massive platform and and, and somewhat of an ego it's a challenge for you to know where to draw that line so wrap it up like and yell and me. All right. Last question for you, Fabian. And it's, it's a question that was asked, but I'm going to change it a tiny bit. What is the trajectory of your team? If Shate stays on the roster and you don't pick up Kanto? I don't know. I don't think it would have been an opportunity. Like, I mean, we wanted Kanto so badly that we bought him for our own money. The players paid for Kanto Rakati to come to Penta. Uh, we took all the winnings we got from Atlantic city and just put it in to Anne's pockets and said, Hey, we want Kanto. Uh, so, there wasn't a chance for that to happen, no matter how much you speculate. Perfect. Well, we are out of time because Troy has to go for scrims. Yes. But I, I hope you lose. We have so Thank much. You. I mean, losing scrims and winning scrims. That's the whole point, right? If we learned anything losing here today. Losing is learning. Now, uh, no, thank you, everybody, true. for tuning in. <laughs> and most importantly, thank you to Fabian for joining us. Uh, it was excellent. We learned a lot. Uh, unfortunately, it couldn't go on longer. Would have been nice. Hopefully you'll come on again. Uh, if not, well, we, at least we got one shot with you. This is going to be going up on YouTube, Spotify, and podcast. If you're listening to it on those platforms, just ignore this. But we're going to be going up on those platforms roughly within 24 hours or so. Uh, so look for it tomorrow, and then we'll be back with another show next week. Thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Take care. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.